wonderful occasion, not just because I've got a book out, From Kids to Champions, The History of the FA Youth Cup, but because I'm actually talking to someone with a Youth Cup medal. John Newby, where is your medal? It's with my dad. My dad I always give all my Any medals that I won't go straight to my dad, so yeah, he's got it, yeah. That is brilliant. I, I was, any time I speak to someone about medals, David Weeter as well gave it to his yeah. parents. He said, I got the thick end of zero pounds for winning the Youth Cup, but I did get a medal to give to my parents. So, yeah, yeah. having read about the history of this Youth Cup, one of the mighty teams is the class of 96. Now, I am amazed that Liverpool don't make a big deal of the class of 96, because it includes um, Owen and you, John Newby, uh, author of this book, Addicted to Football, My Journey from Anfield to Almost Everywhere. Um, also includes pundit Jamie Carragher and my favourite footballer, Birkenhead the Ball, David Thompson. Oh, Tom, oh yeah, what a player he was, what yeah. a player. I think I remember seeing him. I may have seen him, did he play in the League Cup final in 2002 for Blackburn? He could well have done, yeah. yeah. He was some player, Tom, I mean, all the talk, believe it or not, leading up to that 96 final, I mean, the big player obviously was Michael Owen, everybody knew about Michael Owen, but after that it was Tom you know, Tomo was, was really, really high, high thought of, yeah. Is it Gibraltar he lives in now? I think so, yeah. yeah. He does something for the national team, yeah. So if you want a holiday with a big rock overseeing <laughs> you, I don't, I don't know where you're going to go for holiday this year. Are you going to go with work to wherever Liverpool are going pre-season? No, I'll, I'll, I'll get away in the summer with the family, so that'll be enough for me, I think. Hopefully it'll be a better holiday than the honeymoon you had. Tell us what you did on honeymoon and why it was perhaps <laughs> less comfortable than it could have been. Well, I just had an operation on my heel, uh, on my ankle, so it wasn't great because I spent, I think I spent enough half the week with my with my leg in an ice bucket uh, in the room, trying to get fit again, ready for the following season. But yeah, it was uh, it was interesting to say the least. If you want a, an anecdote to point out to your addiction to football, or as I call this book, which is magnificent, thank you for writing your life story. I love the game, but the industry let me down. Do you subscribe to um, Gareth Southgate's view that the game is great, the industry is less good? I think the game is great. I think there's some great people in the game. Uh, I also think there's some some things that need a hell of a lot of improving, yeah. Yeah. Actually, I might as well reference this early on. Jeremy Whiston, the player who um, took his own life because he didn't get kept on after his scholarship. One thing that I know about Liverpool is that the pastoral care is, I think, of first class. I think it's world class, the way that young people are looked after. Um, And you are part of it. You help bring talent in at pre-scholarship level, I think. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Sometimes it it annoys me slightly when I hear about clubs not doing enough for players that have left or not doing enough for players that are at academies, because I can only speak for... For Liverpool and what what I know in particular, and uh, I I think what what we do and what Liverpool do is is first class and it is outstanding in terms of helping players that are either in the system or or have been in the system. I mean, you're not quite first class because you did lose in the quarter final of the FA Youth Cup to Chelsea, having led three nil. Um, I can imagine Steven Gerrard, Jamie Carragher, even you would have had a yell. At some of the kids, are you privy to the conversations that went on after that quarter-final I'm, defeat? I'm not, no, but that's that's football. That's football. Yeah. These things happen in football, and you know we've we've only seen you know with our own club when AC Milan 
we're three 0 up. So if if it's going to happen to players like AC Milan, mm. uh, you know, world world class players, then it's going to happen to eighteen year old kids as well. So mm. it's uh, it's all a big learning experience for them. Yeah, it's interesting because as far as I know, Liverpool don't really talk about the miracle of Istanbul. They don't really have kind of reunions or TV programs or books about it. Um, one thing that amazes me in this book is you grew up and you, you say how great Steven Gerrard is as a player. Steven Gerrard captained England and you were playing at Northwich. Yeah. It, is, it just goes to show nothing is guaranteed if you pass a scholarship and get a pro deal. Um, but the word that comes through the whole book is confidence. I think when you're playing with confidence or when I was playing with confidence, things, things are automatic. You don't think about what you're going to do. It's already there. You know, the ball comes to you, it's, the, the control's automatic. The next pass, you already know where it's going. When you're not playing with confidence, you're constantly thinking, and that takes longer. So the ball's coming into you, you're thinking about how to control it, you're thinking about making sure your touch is right. Whereas when, you, when you're playing with confidence, when you're flying, that's, you know, it's so automatic, you're just, you're just out there, you're free, you're playing football. And the best players, the very, very top players, find a way of dealing with the pressure and dealing with any confidence issues that they may have. You might, you know, you might... You might not realise that some of them have any confidence issues because they're so they're so mentally strong. But that was a part of the game or part of my game that you know I never quite got on top of. It's all about muscle memory and instincts because you took a goal in the first leg of the Youth Cup final against West Ham and it bobbled. It bobbled up. So you watched it all the way, but in the way that you have expected goals taking like ten thousand shots and coming up to an average of how likely you are to score. If you practice that situation enough you know what to do in that situation. So when you struck that ball in the Youth Cup final, uh, first leg, you were yeah. you had the confidence to do that. Yeah, and, you've, and there's times, like you're saying there about muscle memory, there's times in your head where you've seen the picture before, you've already seen it, you've already almost acted it out in, in previous games or in previous training sessions. So I often think that, you know, I've often been on the pitch and I think I've been in this situation before. I know I kind of, I've seen it before. So, yeah, but I, I, like I say, I think the best... The best players can kind of blank that out in terms of in terms of confidence issues. So, like you say, I, I speak about that quite a lot in the book uh, because I feel that was a, a massive part of my career. It's a, it's a huge lesson for any kid uh, who doesn't want to be cut, who wants to become a professional footballer. It is to, it's obviously you've got to be technically gifted. You don't get to play for Liverpool without technique, but to have the mental toughness and the example is. I would beseech everyone to look at the highlights of the quarter-final Youth Cup match where United are winning 2-0. We're talking on the day that United are going to lose to Liverpool. Don't worry, United's first team are not as good as Liverpool's second team. Michael Owen scores a hat-trick. One of the goals, he slides in on Nick Culkin and gets the ball. I actually gasp because I've never seen Michael Owen do that. And just the, the confidence, the arrogance that Michael had in that game must have been sensational yeah. to, to be on the pitch with I think throughout his particularly throughout his early his early career I always likened Michael's style to as though he was playing in the school playground with his mates it was kind of when you're playing in the school playground and you know you're a good player you know it's kind of give me the ball I'll go and score a goal that was how Michael Owen played for Liverpool's youth sides that's how good he was that's how confident he was that's how you know he knew how good he was so it was almost like we went 2-0 down against Man United and it was almost like Michael said right give me the ball I'll go I'll sort it out kind of thing and that's not being disrespectful disrespectful to other players that were playing in the game but he just had that air of 
of confidence, that air of arrogance in a good way, if that makes sense, that he knew he could he, he could go back and win us a game. Yeah. I'm just thinking of Zlatan Ibrahimovic because he's a very good player, but I imagine he won't be in the same bracket as the, fi- the fab players of the era. That's a very scouse word, a fab player. Um, and you've watched, you've played in hundreds of matches, you must have watched hundreds of matches, so you know when a player has that arrogance and that confidence. The, the one thing about the Liverpool team who are playing tonight against Man United, there's no star. They're all the stars. The system is the star. So yeah. I, maybe my question should be, could Michael Owen and Steven Gerrard have played in this Liverpool team? Yeah, without doubt, yeah. yeah. Without doubt. Yeah, they were, they were that good, yeah. Because of... And also the, the current players that you're going to watch at the COP, and you've been, you stood on the COP in the late 80s when Liverpool were winning everything. Uh, and now you're going to sit, you can't stand, officially you can't stand on the cop. Do you have seats on the cop or do you sit in another stand? Yeah, I'm on the cop, yeah. Wow. So cop. you're standing up? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's obviously at the minute, it's great times. Things go through cycles, don't we, with football? You win for a while, you're then maybe unsuccessful for a while, as we're seeing with Man United now. So whilst Liverpool are doing what, what we're doing, it's, you know, to be a part of that and to, to stand there every week and go to Wembley and things like that, it's, you know, you just got to enjoy the ride. There's one thing better than watching football at Anfield, playing at Anfield. Yeah. Was it an out-of-body... I think I've asked this of certain footballers. I've, I've, I'm talking to Nader Manua in a couple of weeks and he was on the pitch when Man City, the club he came through, won the league against QPR. Yeah. Was it out-of-body yeah. or did you just put on the blinkers and just say, OK... Play the game, do some work. Um, once I got on there, I was okay. Standing on the touchline, waiting to come on for that thirty seconds when you stood there with the linesman or, or your coach or whatever, that was kind of a little bit surreal because you're thinking, well, I've been here since I was nine years old as a kid. I've been coming to the ground since I was five or six years old, watching watching Liverpool every week, and you kind of look up at the cop, you know, where you normally are, and all of a sudden you're about to run on. You know, wearing a wearing a badge that means so much to you. So yeah, probably for those thirty seconds when I'm stood there, it's kind of like wow. Uh, but yeah, once I got on, it was fine. And that game was in 1999 um, against Hull City in the League Cup. It was a second leg, basically a dead rubber. And Liverpool still do that. It's amazing to see some of these kids, Balagizi and Morton, and there are there are tens of them who are all coming through. And that's a testament to what H uh, and Steve Highway and Alex Inglethorpe are doing at this football club with the new um, training pitch. What's that thing that James Milner has? Is it a James Milner room or like a steam bath named after him? I know he has a door named after The him. door, yeah, that, that's it. Something to do with a dead end, a, a corridor. So I think James Milner suggested that there should be a door. And <laughs> since then it was christened the James Milner door, yeah. yeah. Never mind the boot room. Uh, we've got the door. <laughs> Just and people know about Liverpool and Jamie Carragher's very good. He's very good, especially at showing what went wrong in the two thousands. And we will talk about your career away from Liverpool. You said it was the right time to go um, when Ulier is signing strikers that you're better than, or sticking Sean Dundee on the bench. You had to go, and you went out on loan, and you had a career. We'll we'll, we'll talk more about it in the second half. But Colwyn Bay, Bury, Crew, York, Northwich. And the Colwyn Bay, the manager of Colwyn Bay is a whole book in itself. You could have spun that out to thousands and thousands of words. But the condensed version is you, you took the job on a handshake, you kept them up 
and then you were sacked at half time in a match that you were playing in. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So it, it certainly was never it was never dull there. Put it that way. But yeah, we 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 had a really good season. My my first season in terms of what we had in you know for for a budget, we were you know lowest paid or lowest paying club in that league. I think we were in the sixth tier of English football in the Conference North. So. We were competing against the likes of Halifax and Chester, who'd previously been league clubs and had massive budgets. So our aim was always to finish uh, mid-table if we could. You know, we, we comfortably made that. And it got to a stage where the people in charge of the club thought that on the budget we were on, we could do a lot better, which uh, I would still, to this day, totally disagree with. So, yeah, in the end, I was... I was, or well, I found out I was sacked at half time of a game that I was playing in, yeah. Yeah. It's just disgraceful. And th- there are so many jobs that I could not do, but manage a football club or even play a manage. And you had Andy Priest to show you how to play a manage. Um, yeah. But down in the sixth tier. The, the best section of the book is about when you get promoted, or you, you may have kept them up, I think this is it. There was Bill Murray, the treasurer, Sheila and Tommy, who volunteered in the club shop, Tim Channon reporting and writing on each and every home, home and away game, Trevor Jones, who ran the away coach travel, and the groundsman. Those are people that, at the lower levels, make football football. That's not to say that you don't have these figures at Liverpool, but it's different when you have a player's budget of £2,900, and if you blink, Steven Gerrard gets that money from a boot deal. It's just... What I'm so impressed with in this book is you've gone from one of the best football academies in the world to getting sacked at half time. So you have your addiction to football has led you to places that you would not have imagined going when you stepped on the pitch in 1999. Yeah, I would, that's fair. That's fair comment. That yeah, you know, you don't see yourself at these places, but once once you you you, you know you find your level of where you're playing. So I always got to a stage where I thought League One and League Two was kind of my level. I would very well at Berry, and you know you get older and you kind of move down the leagues because you've got younger players that want to come in and take your place but you just keep going then because you you enjoy football you know even enjoy is the wrong word sometimes you do football if that makes sense you just play football it's it's natural to you it's what you've always known I mean it's what I've known since I left school I've never done anything else since I left school so you know you just keep going and wherever Whatever your boots take you next, you, you know, you get on with it. Would it not have helped if you'd have actually been played as a centre-forward for most of your career? Yeah, I think, I think at the same time, it's based on systems. You know, what, what, what systems managers want to play, and nowadays you don't often get two player, uh, you know, two playing up front. In the early days, it was always four four two, so that suited me massively, playing, in a, playing alongside a big man and making my runs off him. When it went to three, because I was quick, I was often pushed out wide. But had I, I think, had I played in a two for a lot of the time in my career, I think could have, I think could have suited a lot of teams a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. If I could sprint, I could play. I've written here addiction or stupidity. Do you ever look back and think, God, it was stupid to play when I wasn't fit, or did yeah. you think you could kind of finesse your way through the game? No, sometimes it was. Sometimes it was stupid to play when I wasn't fit. Yeah. I was. All, I always used to say if I could sprint, I would play. And even if I could sprint, but I was in a little bit of pain, I would play. Looking back now, at times it was madness because you know you're probably you're damaging yourself a little bit longer after after you know you're trying to recover from injuries. But there were probably games where I played where I wasn't at my best because I simply shouldn't have played. But 
you know, you look back with, with hindsight and with a bit of sense now, but as a 25, 26-year-old who's just desperate to play football and not lose his place in the team, you know, always thinking how he should be thinking. Yeah, and Liverpool had top physios. So Jamie Carragher's legs are probably... Actually, I don't know. Would Jamie Carragher's legs be in a better condition than yours, given that he know, had... Car- Top-notch. Cara hardly ever got injured because he was, he, you know, he was so tough. He wouldn't, if he was injured, he wouldn't show people he was injured. It was only when he, you know, he got, I don't know, he broke his leg against Blackburn one year, which, you know, was obvious. But other than that, Cara, Cara, uh, you know, Stephen Gerrard was was pretty much the same. They they didn't often show people that they were injured because they were they, they were streetwise and they they wanted to get on with it. It is quite incredible that Stephen Gerrard, who will be Liverpool's next manager. And I know this because he's taken Michael Beale with him. And this figure, Michael Beale, seems to be the one who is the unsung hero. He seems to be kind of the footballer players. In the way that you have a songwriter's songwriter, or an actor's actor, he seems to be someone that in the industry you would know about him. But if he walked down Oxford Street or a Liverpool equivalent, if he walked down the Albert Dock, you wouldn't know who he was. But not that you know this is going to happen, but if Stephen and Gary Mack and Michael Beale come to Liverpool, it'll work because they know how the club operates. Well, we certainly know how the club operates, yeah. I mean, in terms of, in terms of those particular people, I, I saw Stephen work as, obviously, as under-18s manager. Yeah. You know, I wasn't in close quarters to him a lot of the time, but I saw how he worked in the office and he was meticulous. His planning was unbelievable. His intelligence and knowledge about the game is frightening. And Bealey's very much the same. Bealey... Is such a nice fella as well, and and his like I say, his knowledge of the game, his tactical understanding of the game, uh, is brilliant. And the way he works in terms of making training sessions enjoyable, yeah, was was outstanding. So you know, at the moment, obviously they're really focused on on doing what they're doing for Aston Villa. So that'd be it'd be brilliant if if they can do well for Villa. That's yep. certain. And there is still a Liverpool Villa fixture to go: Danny Ings, Philip Coutinho, Steven Gerrard, and that's the I think the last game of the season. Uh, tenth, I think off the top of my head, tenth of May, is oh. it? Tenth of May now. A okay. couple, of, yeah, a couple of games, a couple of games after that. But it'd be an interesting night with all those, you know, those like Liverpool players about. Yeah, quite right. And I can imagine City fans crying foul, but nuts to them. You've got to, you've got to, you can only win what you've got in front of you. The forward to your book, Addicted to Football: My Journey from Anfield to Almost Everywhere, is by the man you call H, uh, Huey McCauley who discovered you. Um, Were you told from a young age that you'd make it as a professional footballer or was it just about keeping you on the road to that end point? No, you've you've genuinely got no idea when you're nine or ten years old whether you're going to be a professional footballer. And and anyone who says that they know is, is... not not telling you the truth. You don't know at that age whether anyone's going to make it because there's so many things that can happen. Probably when you get to 14 or 15, people can tell you whether you've got a good chance of having a career in the game. But again, at what level, you don't know. Only the exceptional, exceptional players would you know at maybe 14, 15 that they're going to be exceptional. Hmm. I didn't know that I was going to have a career in the game probably till I was 17, 18. After, you know, I signed my first professional contract with Liverpool, but I could have easily been released at the end of that first professional professional year where I found hard. And it was only then at probably 18 where I started to kick on and think, yeah, you know, I'm good enough. And and then it's about finding your level, whether you're going to be good enough to play for Liverpool or whether you're going to have to drop down a couple of levels, whatever that may be. But yeah, I mean, I mean, H, in terms of what he did for me, in terms of my career, 
you know, he was brilliant. The coaches, all the coaches at Liverpool, Hugh McCauley, Dave Shannon, Steve Highway were so understanding of what they needed to get into you to make you a better player, to make you a better person, you know, and, and to this day now, I still speak to the three of them regularly, so that shows you, you know, in terms of being mentors for you and, you know, what what, what they've done for us. We, we understand all of us that came through the ranks of Liverpool. So many of the boys still speak to those three coaches to this day and that, that just shows you how much, or how highly thought of they were. You weren't at the club in the 2000s because you were earning a living elsewhere but Jamie Carragher is hypercritical and he I couldn't believe he criticised his employer in his memoir I don't remember it really being picked up at the time but he said that Liverpool would have scouts at the maternity wards in Barcelona and Madrid if they could to scoop up players from Spain but something was also lost when the youths were separate from the seniors the club really have realised that what Steve Highway's touch I think was it Alex Inglethorpe said recently oh he's head of Steve Highway He's director of Steve Highway. He's kind of a minister without portfolio. But just having him there, a European Cup winner and a league winner from that side, does he take on like a, an avuncular grandfatherly figure to the kids? Because the kids must know who he is around, around the place. Yeah, of course. He's, he's just seen as, you know, as a, as a mentor, really, to all the kids and the work he does with them and the, the standards he sets now even at his age, at exactly the same standards that he set us when, you know, 25, 30 years ago. So, yeah, everybody knows Steve and, it, you know, his, his part in Liverpool's history will always be uh, massive, both as a player and, and as a coach. Yeah, and I'm sure Steve, when he eventually takes over from, from Jürgen, who is now only only the son of Harrogate Town Town's owner, Simon Weaver, and Gareth Ainsworth, and John Coleman. So only three men have been in post longer than Jurgen. He's tall, isn't he, Jurgen Klopp? Yeah, he's a tall man. Yeah, he's a big man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Does he have any flaws? You'd have to speak to him about it. I, I, honestly, I, I really don't know. As far as I'm concerned, as a, as a as a Liverpool fan, he's he's done an unbelievable job. He's brought the the club together. He's brought the city together. Long may that continue. He also has never been sacked. Not sacked at Mainz, not sacked at Dortmund. I imagine when he's eventually kind of on the board at Liverpool, he'll choose where to go. But he seems already, because he's been there six years, he feels like an eternal figure. And he's had good season after good season. He's now bringing through the next crop of youngsters. And some of them, um, the next few years, you may know. You may have helped bring through the next Trent Arnold's, the next... Tyler Morton, the next Curtis Jones. It's a factory that you're turning. Are you still um, recruiting people from Ireland and around Europe, or is the focus on local talent? No, my my, my own job is is very much local talent. It would it would be fantastic every time we see a player that's come through the academy, go on to the first team pitch, or make an appearance to the first team. Obviously, it's it's a really proud moment for us all because um, at the academy, we, you know we. We are a big team in terms of uh, togetherness. But yeah, it would be absolutely fantastic. But if I can see a boy that I played the smallest, smallest part of, of his journey make a first team debut for Liverpool, and that would be yeah, it would it would fill me with real pride. Yeah. And we're going to finish the first half, and it's a stupid counterfactual that I guess you've been asked before. If not, it's because it's such a stupid question. You were left in limbo at the end of the 1990s because of the new structure that Howard Wilkinson, whose son Ben is in charge of Man City under-18s at the moment. Um, when Howard Wilkinson reformed, 
youth football, it meant that the A and the B teams were scrapped and there was an under-17 and an under-19 team, you say. At this point, you were a pro and you were too old for the under-19s, but you weren't anywhere near the first team. So you were yes. training all week with nothing to show for it until you went on loan to Crewe, where you played with Everton's under-18 manager, Paul Tate, who seems like a very yeah. nice chap. Yeah, I've got a lot here. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the stupid question is, had you come through Kirkby today, would you be playing for Liverpool? question good question I uh, couldn't really give you the answer I think now the game is far more technical than it was when I was coming through as a kid so yeah I'm, not, I'm really not sure about that I know that the, the the upbringing that I had in terms of playing football and playing for A and B teams I wouldn't change myself in terms of how much I enjoyed it and what I got out of it and, and how it made me a player is the system better now not sure. Probably in terms of in terms of te- technical ability, yeah. Will it produce as many players? Hopefully for us, certainly, because I think that Liverpool are certainly doing things the right way. But yeah, it's it, it's very different from what it was then to what it is now. I would agree with that. Yeah. And I will compliment what Alex Inglethorpe, ex Watford Alex Inglethorpe, is doing. Um, the Liverpool under 18s got to was it two finals in two years or two finals in three years of the Youth Cup. Yeah. Yeah, we've done very well of late with, with youth cup runs, yeah. yeah. Uh, but as Tom Wally said in the 1980s with Watford, it doesn't matter if we win the youth cup, if we aren't producing players for the first team, we are not doing our job properly. And the amount, not just that, but the transfer fees you're saving. I mean, Liverpool are not going to spend £100 million on Jack Grealish. They might spend it on a Virgil van Dijk, who must be extraordinary to watch from the perspective of someone who's played the game, albeit on pitches like Gig Lane, which were less... Um, salubrious than Anfield's but watching Virgil is it like watching Alan Hansen again yeah very similar yeah very similar I don't know is there any better defender in the world than Virgil van Dijk at the minute I would I would say probably not probably he's got some decent partners alongside him as well hasn't he at the minute in Matip and Canate so I think there's a few Rolls Royces playing at the back for Liverpool at the minute absolutely and it's no surprise that last season van Dijk was out for a lot of it and didn't win the league 